0: Welcome to the Mojo Maker for Women in Tech podcast, where you will learn career strategies and techniques to help you break down barriers, make more money, and thrive in your tech life at work and at home. Technology has never been more mission critical to our online stay-at-home world, and you are the key to its success. You'll hear from diverse women in tech as well as experts who share both personal and professional strategies so you can transform your work and your workplace from the inside out. I'm Karen Morstel, former Silicon Valley tech leader and serial CISO for iconic brands like AT&T Wireless, Microsoft, and Russell Investments. I hope you will join me in my mission and message of resilience and transformation to make an inclusive and equitable tech industry. If you find this show helpful, please leave us a like and share it. And don't forget to hurry over to createyourleadingedge.com to join innovative and affordable group coaching for women in tech on your terms. And now, on to Mojo Maker for Women in Tech. My guest today is Cindy Miller, LPGA professional. She is one of Golf Digest magazine's top 50 women teachers in the U.S. and a certified behavior, motivation, and emotional quotient analyst. Her warm, no-nonsense style helps individuals and teams make better decisions, overcome frustration, and reach their full potential. She's a sought-after speaker for major events of iconic brands like Pepsi, Microsoft, Merck, Deloitte, and KPMG. You won't want to miss her story leading up to the clutch shot on the 18th hole at the Seniors Tournament for the Championship. For women in tech, Cindy's story of overcoming the you're-not-good-enough judge in her head achieving her dream in golf is inspiring and motivating. Cindy Miller, I am so excited to have you on Mojo Maker for Women in Tech. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Karen. I am glad to be here. We've talked multiple times before, and I've been so intrigued by your story because It's so relatable to hear what you went through in your path to your role on the LPGA and the senior circuit. And I would love for you to share your story because you overcame a lot of things that I think we can all relate to on your path to where you are now. So could you just give us an overview of that whole path?
1: Karen, I grew up in a family that played golf. My parents would drag me to the country club every weekend. And I was dumped at the pool. The pool was my babysitter. Mom and dad would play golf all day, sit at the bar and drink all night, get drunk, go home, fight. So much so that I was just 10 years old when it was my turn to call the police on my father. I was petrified most of my life. And I got fat in eighth grade, and the cute boys at the pool started calling me Tessie. And my only other option was the golf course. I had to play golf because I couldn't go anywhere else because I was too young to make my own decisions. And actually I was really pretty good at it. And my mom and her friends took me to an LPGA tour event when I was 17 and I quickly fell in love. I was going to be a star on the LPGA tour. I just wasn't good enough. I wrote to the Ben Hogan Golf Club Company in Golf Digest magazine, I played their clubs and I read their magazines, so I assumed they would care about me. There was no internet at the time. And they actually wrote back and gave me a list of schools that had women's golf teams. And the one that stood out was the University of Miami. And if you lived in Buffalo, you'd think the same thing. I wrote to the U and asked if I could be on their team. And they wrote back and said, well, you're not good enough. So I wrote back and said, can I try? And they said, well, you're welcome to come down and walk on, but you'll probably never play. My dad told me I had one year to earn a scholarship or I'd have to come home that they couldn't afford it. So I walked on that team. I sat on the bed and cried when I got dumped off at my dorm by a family friend. And then I got up and I went and practiced. I knew I had to get better. So we're motivated by one of two things. We're either seeking reward or we're trying to avoid pain. And I, at that point in my life, didn't know it, but I was not going to go back home because I had to escape the nightmare, and I wanted to be a star on the LPGA Tour. So I graduated the number one player on that team. We won back-to-back national championships my junior and senior year, and I was voted team captain and All-American. I tried to qualify for the Tour that summer, and I didn't make it. Again, you're not good enough. I drove to California by myself to play on the mini tour to get better. I qualified for the tour that next summer only to lose my card after three seasons. Of the best players in the world, I was one of the worst. Again, you're not good enough. So my whole life, I've been motivated by what people have told me I can't do. I guess that's a little sad, but I just don't give up.
0: I love that because I, we share that in common. By the way, <laughs> the the idea that someone says, "All right, you can't do this," and it's like, "Okay, hold my beer, watch me." That seems to be that you had that motivation to get there because you knew what you wanted. You had a very clear vision of what you wanted, and it was compelling enough that you were willing to go around or find a path through those barriers. Can you give us some insight into that? You either broke down barriers or found a path, a way to go around them, and you didn't let somebody tell you no. Do you, have you given some thought to where that comes from? You know, it's funny.
1: I learned how to deal with people. A lot of things that are bad in your life can be used for good. And I learned how to deal with difficult people by trying to help my father be distracted so he didn't pick on my mother. And then I stopped and thought about it at being dumped at the country club and all these people, you know, some people were control freaks, other people, party animals and analytical people. I think that helped me learn how to deal with people and learn how to finagle and get my own way, if you will. And then when I would look at the golfers on the team and I would compare myself and realistically looking at them, I was like, you know what? They're really no better than you. They don't swing any better. They just miss it better. So if you can learn to miss it better, then you can achieve what you're looking for. So I think that's what I've done. And there's times when I now understand what motivates me to action. And I'm like, is this really worth the effort? And sometimes I might say, no, nah, I, don't, I don't really want to do that. But when it comes to people, I can't stand bullies and perfect control freaks that try to tell you what to do and are afraid to look in the mirror themselves what i've learned how to do is to adapt my communication style to twist it around and make them love me anytime i'm in a difficult situation when i really want to react and and say oh my god you're such a jerk i might say that to myself but then i say you know what you're not going to win there you can't shove a mirror in somebody's face that doesn't want to look so i would change my behavior style and my communication to get what i want which is probably bad but It's
0: worked for me. You know what they say, it's not bad, it's not good, it just is. I think we all do that. It's that switching that we do. And I think women in male-dominated industries and in places where they're being told, you can't do this, you can't do this. We learn that switching. It's a way of finding our way through or around a barrier. That's what you're doing. You have to.
1: I have this thing where when you're in a situation where you're just not happy, you have four choices. You can change the situation. You can change your perception of the situation. You can leave the situation or you can do nothing. And if you do nothing, you're a victim. I never choose to do nothing. You can change your perception of it or you can change the situation. If it's so bad and abusive, then sometimes you have to walk away. But Again, I see things as a challenge. And so, I, again, being a woman golfer in a male dominated golfing world, you have to be able to do that. And women in tech, it's the same thing. So, you either become a victim or you learn how to adapt and communicate more effectively,
0: and then you can get your way. You know, that's such a huge thing. I think it might be a little bit of a generational thing that I, for example, Am a lot like you in this way, raised by a Navy fighter pilot father, I had that inner voice in me that just said, why not me? I think I heard you say that. Why not me? They're not any better than I am. Why not me? And you had that inner strength that just wouldn't let somebody just say no to you and you go, oh, okay. Which is something that I think a lot of women in tech seem to be opting out of tech, that it's like, I'm just tired of this And that's legitimate, but it's also, I'm going to exit. I'm not going to stay the course in this thing. I'm going to go find something else to do, which is in a way to me, really tragic. Because if they love tech and they wanted that for their life, I guess what we're trying to do is to show them the way that you can stay. And you stayed the course. That's what I love about your story is over and over again, you heard this barrier that said, you're not good enough. And you didn't let it get inside your head and stop you.
1: It's funny, too, because my dad was such a competitive control freak entrepreneur, and he may have had issues with alcoholism and a a bad temper, but he always told me I could do anything. And I think that's probably the underlying cause, reason, that if I choose to fight, watch out. Hold my beer, as you just said watch me do that. That being said, I think what people have to decide number 1 is decide do I want to stay doing this? Do I love what I'm doing? And if if the answer is yes, then you can learn how to do it right
0: and win. And you know, I think you said something really important and that was you either have to have a compelling vision that is got a big enough reward that you're gonna stay the course, or that you are avoiding pain that is enough to help you stay the course. And you kind of had both. I did. Which again, with the boats, there's no way home. Get up, look in the mirror.
1: And I think, you know, again, with my little it box, I've got a thing called the it box, and inside the box is everything you need to be successful. And it can help you anytime you have a tough decision to make. The it box has three components. And the first thing in the box is a nail. And the story is a a dog was laying on a porch and a farmer was sitting in his rocking chair, smoking a pipe and a traveling salesman comes around looking for the eggway plant and says, I got lost. Can you help me with directions? And while the farmer's giving the salesman directions, he hears the dog whining. And he finally asked the farmer, what's the matter with your dog? And he said, oh, nothing. He's just laying on a nail. He said, laying on a nail? Why doesn't he get up? He said, well, because it doesn't hurt bad enough. How bad does the nail have to hurt to be willing to change? None of us want to change. If you could learn how to win and cope with maybe someone who's driving you crazy in the office, would it be worth the effort to learn? And the second thing in the box is a mirror. And if you really want to pursue your it, you have to be willing to look in the mirror. Who am I? What are my strengths, my weaknesses? What do I need to improve? And then the third thing in the box is a seed. If you know why you're here and what you want, you have to do something about it. You have to plant a seed, water it, put it in the light, nurture it. And if you do, there's no telling what could grow out of that seed.
0: Yeah, you know, there was a pivotal moment when you talk about the mirror, the nail and the seed and that metaphor. I want to just go back for a second to that story where you said you ended up at the dorm room. You knew you had all this pressure on you. You had to get a scholarship within a year. You had been told you weren't going to succeed already. You're in tears in your dorm room. And what do you decide to do? You go practice. It's like, all right, it's like showtime. Let's get going. That's, you're not going to stay in that place. And so I think you were really motivated also by the vision of what you really wanted.
1: I was, I was like, no, no. And maybe I didn't even think this thought is why has this dream been put in my heart with all these barriers in front of me? I didn't think that thought at the time. And it's so funny. And I'm going to flip the switch here for a minute. I get married. I qualify for the tour. I lose my card after three seasons. I met Alan Miller when I was at the University of Miami. He was a PGA tour player. He's played in the Masters five times. He was an alcoholic. Of course he was an alcoholic. Why would you not marry an alcoholic? He grew up with that, right? He quit playing the tour and he said, let's teach golf. I go, I don't want to teach golf. What are you, crazy? I'm mad at golf. Uh, You know, I was going to be a star and I wasn't good enough. And I I qualified of the best in the world. I was the worst. And he goes, no, 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 no. I'm going to make this easy. Well, again, he's the opposite behavior style as me, which we fall in love with that. And then you marry him and you're like, oh, my God, will you move it? You know, he's a slow turtle and I'm the hare. And it's a long story, but I see that there's a Legends tour for former LPGA tour players. Now, I've been shoving a mirror in my husband's face for years. And he tried to commit suicide. He went to a mental hospital. I filed for divorce. I lost the divorce. We'd ended up not getting divorced. We never filed the papers in the courthouse. I got a great story. But here's what happened. I'm sitting in my sweatshop. I now have an embroidery business. I'm making shirts for Augusta National for the Masters. I'm giving golf lessons all night long, right? I'm working way too hard, way too long. And I see there's a Legends Tour for former players. I'm like, I wanna do that. And I wanna prove to myself the dream I had when I was 17 years old to play on the tour wasn't just a nightmare that was gonna haunt me the rest of my life. I picked up my clubs, I stopped shoving a mirror in his face, and I put it in my face. And like, okay, why did you really not succeed? What do you need to do? to prove that you can play with these women, it's 25 years later. And are you really willing to expose all elephants so that you can defeat these demons? And the answer was yes. In the process of that, I see that there's a reality show that's going to be on the Golf Channel. And I get this email and the little voice in my head said, you know, you should apply to be on this show. You really want to win a tournament on the Legends Tour with these old women. And you should be on this TV show because you need to learn how not to choke your guts out. And then the other little voice said, well, that's ridiculous. You're 48 years old. You're going to be playing against 24-year-olds. You don't want an exemption on the tour. And the voice said, excuse me, but you know and I know that if you were tied for the lead, walking to the 18th tee, and had to hit a shot over water with thousands of people watching you, you would puke. You would choke. Okay, good point. So I apply to be on the show, and I come in third on the show. And the next tournament back after this show was airing, I did not have to qualify because now I was a television golf celebrity, right? I ended up birding the 17th hole. I'm not kidding you. Walked to the 18th tee, tied for the lead, having to hit a shot over water with thousands of people watching me. The same scenario that went through my head a year before when I was applying was happening in real life. I started crying and I'm like, oh my God. I was called to do this. So I hit the shot on the green. I two put it for par. I'm tied for the lead. The whole place went crazy because I now know my story because I've been on a reality show for the last 12 weeks and all of the golf world's been watching me. So they're all pulling for me because I'm Cindy from Silver Creek, the underdog, the overachiever, right? So my friend ended up birdieing the 17th hole and she won by one. But that's not the point. The point is I went out of my comfort zone to prove to myself that that dream when i was 17 years old wasn't a nightmare that was going to haunt me the rest of my life so i would challenge your listeners to say you know what it is never too late to get better to look in the mirror to face your demons and choose to own it
0: yeah to look in the mirror think about the nail <laughs> get off the nail and plant the seed and water it watch it grow i mean you have done that In series. So I love this with the Legends Tour and everything. And you're not quite 50, but almost 50 years old when this all goes down. Yeah, that's incredible. For the people who are listening, for sure, this is going to happen over and over in our careers in male dominated industries, especially in tech. There are setbacks that happen. And that idea of saying, you know what, this is the dream I've always had. It's never too late to make it real. Do what it takes to make it happen. Find the resources that you need in order to make it happen, which is exactly what you went out and did, Cindy.
1: Delay is not denial. And sometimes these setbacks are put in front of us for a reason, because we haven't developed enough. So if you're willing to just stop and say, wow, that came from nowhere. Why did that happen? And what do I need to do about it? It doesn't mean it's not going to happen. There might be a minor detour, but understand that it's all about developing so that you can end up getting what you want.
0: Absolutely. And it's a constant
1: process. We've got three beautiful children, and one of them is like, he was at a business and a company is like, you know, well, I need to stop whining. I need to get off the nail. It's over and over again in your life. There's multiple times you have to stop and say, does this nail hurt bad enough to do something about it? And if the answer is no, don't do anything about it. If the answer is yes, get up and then seek help. Everybody needs a coach. Everybody needs a coach.
0: Yeah. No, it's so helpful to have someone, they say it, even the sharpest knife in the drawer can't carve its own handle. We have to have somebody who is staked to us, that's going to help us get through this faster. That's what coaches do. They help accelerate the process. I want to touch on something that you mentioned to me earlier. And that was, you've spoken at the Microsoft Partners event a couple of times.
1: It's so funny. I was on the TV show that I was on and a woman was watching me with her husband from Toronto. And her husband said, you know, that woman can help you play golf better. And she had just lost her job and she called me and she came down and she said, I just lost my job. I want to be a writer and I want to take a golf lesson from you. And I want to write an article that's going to get published in Golf for Women Magazine. And I kind of looked at her and I went, okay, honey, you think you're that good a writer that they're going to publish this article? So she came down for the lesson. And of course, we become fast friends. And I'll be darned, she did get that article published in Golf for Women magazine. And we became really good buddies. So she reached out and she goes, look, I'm on the Microsoft World Partner Channel team, whatever it's called. And she goes, we've got this big thing and I I want you to come speak. I go, I'm a golf pro. They don't want me. She goes, oh, trust me, they do. And I had developed a program called Improve Your Team from the Inside Out. So I was chosen, and I did a breakout session, and in this breakout session, everybody had the opportunity to take a handwritten assessment, which I now deliver online, needless to say. And it was voted in the top 10 of the breakout sessions at the Microsoft World Partner Conference, which was awesome, right? What I did was each person was able to identify not only who they were on the spectrum, but why other people might drive them crazy and what they could do to adapt their behavior basically to communicate better. So it was a lot of fun.
0: That's fantastic. You've taken this experience that you've had over your lifetime and turned that into a way for people to assess themselves looking in the mirror
1: it is. You know it's funny? Not many people want to look in the mirror. What I have found is that the corporations that have hired us to do this session, this Improve Your Team from the inside out, it's the owner of the company or it's a manager who has issues with people. Very rarely is it the person that's sitting in the chair that says, oh, I need to look in the mirror. Nobody wants to look in the mirror. So it's the boss who says, oh, my team is totally screwed up. I need to do this. But I would challenge your listeners, if someone is driving you crazy, and you may not be a manager, if you want to learn how to better communicate with that person, and I don't want to say get what you want, but I'll say get what you want, then you should absolutely learn more about it. And you can if you want to go to cindymillerinc.com forward slash get better.
0: I love that. Thank you. Yeah. So Cindy Miller forward slash get better and they can take the assessment there.
1: They're going to learn about who they are and what motivates them to action. Yes. And they can do a call with me. Is it worth the effort? Again, I'm motivated by economic return on investment. Why would I call her? Well, again, if there's someone that's driving you crazy and you want to learn how to adapt your behavior and you want to stay in your job. So you know you need to get off the nail, but you don't want to kill anybody.
0: That's the catch. I don't want to rot in jail, but I need to learn how to deal with these people. Going out and basically taking an assessment so that you use this phrase to get what you want. You know what? There is influence. There's there's kind of this fine line between influence and manipulation. We are not talking about manipulation here. We're talking about knowing what you need to know so that your influence is operating at a peak level.
1: Yes, let me just make myself perfectly clear. I would never manipulate anyone. But again, I'll use my own story as an example. When I saw Alan Miller playing on the PGA Tour at Durrell Country Club in Miami, Florida, and I saw how slow he walked and how smooth he swung the golf club, I was like, oh, wow, I wish I could be like that. So I was intrigued by his smooth demeanor. Well, he's a high S personality, which is steady. He researches, he loves, he's quiet. He sits in the corner. He never really talks. It appears as if he's not paying attention. He's knowing everything that's going on. And I was so intrigued by that, which made me fall in love with this guy. Well, then I marry him and I'm like, oh my God, you never make decisions. So what started all this behavior style stuff is I went to a seminar where the woman was talking about how her husband drove her nuts. And I sat up and paid attention. I'm like, I got one of them she'd written a book called Personality Plus. So I bought the book. I took the assessment for me. And of course I took it for him. And as I was reading off all of his weaknesses to him, I had a delayed intelligence attack. I looked at him and I said, oh my God, you can't help yourself. I thought you acted like this on purpose just to drive me crazy. So it was at that point that I really had no idea that people were different. And so Now, when I'm driving in the car with him, we've now been married for almost 39 years and he's driving really slow and we're going to be late. The old Cindy would have said, oh, my God, will you hurry up? Well, his behavior style is going to drive slower just to drive me crazy. Right. So I've learned that through time that I'm not going to say that because it's just going to start a fight. And then it's going to escalate and I'm going to get more mad. I've learned to adapt my behavior because I don't want it to escalate into a fight. So it's not manipulating. It's not manipulating. I've learned to adapt my behavior because I don't want it to escalate into a big fight. I've been there and done that. I'm now using my wisdom and I'm just saying things like, I hope we're not late. I communicate differently because I don't want it to end up in a fight. I love the guy, but I have to learn how to communicate
0: better. So no, it's never manipulating. Right. Knowing how to not hit somebody else's triggers is a terrific way of being more influential. In some ways, it's just being deeply kind that it's like, these are triggers for this other person. I get it. I don't want to push them. Let's go on. It's funny because I use this anytime you have to deal
1: with people and I teach golf lessons daily to lots of different people. And the person that would always drive me crazy was the high C who would always ask a million questions. And so I have flipped the switch in my head to say, okay, They're going to ask me a thousand questions. And in the back of my head, I might be saying, oh, my God, you got one more question. I'm going to slap you. Right. So what I've done is I've changed my perception of this. And I said, "Okay, they don't know what they don't know. So what I say to them now is I absolutely love all these questions. And I want to be sure we get every single one of them answered so that you're totally clear on what you're doing. That's all they want to hear. And then they love you. So again, if you're dealing with a bully who's a bad boss, say, you know what? I want to make sure we get this done and we do it the right way and we do it as fast as possible. How can I help you? They're going to go, oh, wow, that's great. So if you can flip the switch and help them get what they want,
0: you're going to get what you want. That is, in a nutshell, brilliant advice. I love it. This has been a really fun conversation. I am so glad you're on the show. I want people to know they can follow up with you by going to the website, the URL you mentioned earlier, cindymillerinc.com forward slash get better. Is there anything else that we want to kind of refer people to if they want to find more information about how to get a hold of you?
1: They can just email me, cindy at cindymillergolf.com. At that link, they can sign up for a free call. I'd love to jump on a call. If somebody's got an issue and they're not sure, how would I learn how to get better at this? I would love to jump on a call. And there's a scheduling link right there. It's free.
0: Thank you so much for your time today. It's been great talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so fun. That's it for today's show. Mojo Maker for Women in Tech podcast is part of the ecosystem of knowledge sharing and affordable group coaching to help reverse the trend of women leaving tech and to help diverse women in male dominated industries get the visibility, opportunities, and compensation they deserve. Be sure to check out our five day challenge by visiting us online at createyourleadingedge.com. Like what you hear, subscribe, share, or leave a review wherever you listen to the show. We'll be back again next week. Be well, stay strong, and remember, be an ally.